0: Thanks for joining us. This is another episode of the Dialogue Sessions, a podcast of the Living Letter Ministries, where we together can have hard conversations as a family. I'm Cynthia Baudry and Drew Berryessa and I today discuss the topic of loved ones now requiring different pronouns or names. So let's get into it. Yeah, so my daughter's transgender and she has requested that we only use masculine pronouns when referring to her in conversation we want to honor her but we feel like this is empowering our false identity what is the appropriate response all right drew you have all the answers
1: <laughs> well if I had all the answers I'd make a lot more money I think but <laughs> I certainly have some answers so yes um, I think first and foremost before getting to the details of that question I think that you know kind of talking about, Um, the statement there of we don't want to, we don't want to reaffirm a false identity. Uh, I think that that's, you know, that's insightful because I think that that's a, a dynamic that I know when I go and I speak, I talk a lot about that also in regards to sexual orientation and how people label themselves. Like, you know, for example, you know, saying, well, he's gay or she's bi or, you know, they're pan. And really, truly, when we're talking about identity, you know, people do live from identity and what we affirm in our, in a person's identity. Um, it really, it's powerful. It's like the Bible says, the power of life and death is in our tongue. And uh, for, you know, those who love it will eat of its fruit. There it is. Yes. I'm sorry. Did not have enough coffee yet this morning. So, um, It's very important to be mindful of our words and mindful of the things that we're saying about people, specifically when it comes to identity. So this is a really insightful question. And it carries a lot of weight, a lot of weight relationally and a a lot of weight um, just spiritually in in our own sense of uh, of responsibility to other people and how we're partnering with the Lord or partnering with the enemy. And so Mm -hmm. I just want to validate Mm -hmm. the the weight of that question. It's very good. so and then it 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 brings up the other question, which inevitably comes with this specifically when it, when we're talking about a transgendered loved one, um, not only just the pronouns but the name selection as well. Yes, mm-hmm. and I
0: I think it's um it, can can you take a moment to, I mean I'm sure everybody knows this by now, but just maybe someone doesn't. What is um, gender dysphoria and what is transgender? Just kind of like define. Why sure. someone would even get to that place where they're yeah. wanting a different pronoun for than the assigned gender?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And even that, I think there's multiple layers to the answer, too, because uh, gender dysphoria or what would have been called previously uh, gender identity disorder. Uh, the designation in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for the APA, the American Psychological Association, changed the name of it from Uh, you know, gender identity disorder, classifying it as a, as a mental disorder to gender dysphoria, which is more like a, not disorder, but condition. Um, So even that, like the terminology, it might be confusing because people might use it interchangeably or, or say I'm, you know, transgendered, which is essentially someone who has experienced gender dysphoria, you know, gender identity disorder, and made the determination to transition from, you know, in their identity or their self-perception from one gender designation to another. So,
0: so somebody might have gender dysphoria, but not be transgendered.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're different, you know, different, um, like with anything in the, in the DSM, there's, there's there's characteristics that qualify. Like if you have these, you know, a certain number of these characteristics and you might be dealing with this. So like when someone is going to diagnose someone with bipolar disorder or depression or something along those lines or addiction, there are these um, characteristics of that, of that condition and you look at it and you, you see, do I exhibit this? Do I exhibit this? Do I exhibit this? That means, you know, more than likely I'm dealing with this diagnosis or this condition. Sure. And you know, for gender dysphoria, there's several different things that list out in the DSM what what qualifies for that designation. And just because someone doesn't have all of them doesn't mean that they don't have gender dysphoria. It just means that they have a different type, different you know, different severity or so. Okay, sure. So, like growing up for me, I felt really, um, you know, not that I should have been a girl, but that I that I wasn't a good boy or wasn't a good man, or wasn't qualified to be a man.
0: Same. I experienced that as well.
1: Yeah. And so a lot of people, even who don't struggle with LGBTQ issues can struggle with a sense of like not, not being successful in the gender that they're in. And they might not go to the extreme of, of feeling the, dis- that, that despair or that, um, that angst, or oh, there's a better word Anxiety, for it. Anxiety. Anxiety. stress. Or- Distress, I think is a better word, the distress in their own gender of feeling like I'm so uncomfortable in my own skin, I want to change it, you know, so that's really where gender dysphoria versus like just not feeling comfortable with your masculinity or femininity is really that designation of there's a level of distress and, and wanting, you know, feeling like you don't fit in your own skin
0: sure and the reason why i asked it cuz the question that was given to us is my transgender daughter she's wanting to use masculine pronouns and the reason why i asked about the difference with gender dysphoria and transgender is because there's someone in my life who is not transgender but right. wants to go by different pronouns so i i think that there's more than just um like someone being transgender that wants to change their their pronouns. Oh, absolutely. And it's confusing because, um, the person in my life wants to be they, them. Right. And in the English language, that means something that's plural. So it's, it's harder for us, our minds to wrap around and, um, I guess to digest when someone brings that to us.
1: Right. Right. Absolutely. And it is, you know, it is that thing where, um, currently there's, I don't know how many like dozens of different quote gender designations that are that are defined out there currently and so someone you know may not identify as transgender but they might identify as non-binary or you know genderqueer or or um you know there's even like two-spirit which is borrowing from native american mythology of like i have both male and female parts of you know and, and so, someone might choose not to identify with with a you know traditionally masculine or feminine pronoun because of those things, and they're not sure. identifying as transgender. Um, but it does it does you know beg the question of how you respond to someone and what you call them. Is it perpetuating what they feel? Sure. Is it respecting what they feel without you know agreeing to it? There's there's a there's a spectrum there, and so um, when it comes to the pronoun question. And again, this is my perspective and we can take it or leave it and, you know, wrestle through the, the, um, the inevitable consequences that come with any decision. And, and I think maybe that's another thing too. Yes. There's never a perfect answer in this stuff. And yes. honestly, people are normally asking the question because they want to find the perfect response that is going to deliver them from any relational conflict. And there's just no, there's no, there's no perfect answer because, sure you know, there's always consequences one way or the other, no matter what you choose. So in my own personal process and in, you know, my study of of the word of God and my convictions about gender and sexuality and identity and all that, um, for me, the pronoun issue is a very difficult one and and exactly because of how this question was stated of not wanting to partner with a wrong identity or partner with deception. So um, for me, I can't use the opposite gendered pronoun for someone who is transgendered, because for me that that feels like I'm complicit in the mm-hmm. brokenness, and it's not even not even truly about like deception for me, because you know people can perceive if you say the truth, you know perfectly, people can still perceive it wrongly and and choose how they want to interpret it. But for me, it's more about um, uh, for me it's it's that that personal conviction of, of denying what is evident, you know, or what is true. It's for me denying what is true. Like I, if I look at a person and I know they were born male, I can't call you female because I, I can't, I can't partner with, with such, um, dissonance in reality. And, you know, for my own health, I can't <laughs> like, <laughs> I, cause it, it, something in my brain shorts out when I'm, you know, using the word, you know, like she describing like Caitlyn Jenner, you know, who used to be Bruce Jenner. And, and that's not a she for me, she was born in the image of God created female to represent God's, you know, character and his attributes as a female. And I'm not going to call a male, no matter how surgically altered or, or, you know, changed on the exterior. I I can't do that. It's my personal conviction. Mm Um. So you know, a lot of people stop with that answer, but we don't kind of wrestle through the question of, of how then do we respectfully and lovingly engage relationally? Because for a lot of people, um, you know, we, we consider our own convictions and perspective and what causes us distress and what we're going to say. But it's also really important to think about the other person and the person who's asking you to do those pronouns and considering the distress that they're in and why they would ask that question. So, as I'm wrestling through my own responses it's not that I want to become dogmatic and say no I will never call you that that pronoun I may never call them that pronoun but I don't have to die on the hill of 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 like being so dogmatic outwardly about my own conviction sure so what I might choose to do instead is you know find ways to avoid pronouns or you know as much as I don't like they them the gender neutral plural pronoun you know, many of us are so bad at the English language anyway, that we often use that pronoun to describe someone in a picture. Oh yeah, they over there, them, them over there. You know, and it's not mm-hmm. plural. They're talking about that person over there. And so I might slip into the they or them just because that's not violating my conscience because I could use that in good conscience for a man or a woman. And, and it's not saying anything about the value of the person or their gender identity Or my convictions on sexuality and gender, it's just a neutral term for me. Now, what I will not do um, is there's these other pronouns that have been invented over the last several years as gender neutral, like Z, Zaw, Zier, you know, these that have entered into the the vernacular of our culture. And I refuse to use those ones. Like for me, that's that that feels like now you're just making crap up and I don't want to do that. So I might stick in, you know, in a pinch. I might stick with a a gender neutral pronoun like they or them, but generally what I do and I make a concerted effort to do is to use a name instead of a pronoun and to answer the question that will inevitably will come, you know, to explain that is I will use the name that the person is asking to be identified by. Okay. And for me, what that is, is it's a sign of respect. So um, I know that I can't, uh, like I will lose opportunity in relationship if I don't make some concessions or some compromise and not, you know, I know people hear the word compromise and they get up in a wad, like, you know, Oh, you're compromising. And it's like the
0: word of God. And it's right. not absolute. And, and it's
1: yeah. And, and for me, a compromise is just saying, I think it's this,
0: you being flexible to have opportunity to share the gospel and to demonstrate yeah. love.
1: Yeah. It's you know back when I was a, a high schooler in youth group, we we did this program called Evangelism Explosion, which is we learned this outline of how to share the gospel. And one of the things, the the principles in it that that uh, I don't think was actually applied well in the program because you know whatever. But the the principle itself was earn the right, earn the right to share the gospel with a person, and. You know, in that context, it was you know make sure you ask the right questions in the thir- you know five minutes before you launch into this outline of the gospel, which is not really earning the right. But in relational context, what it, it says to me is like we need to prove that we respect and value people, and if we're going to say hard things that challenge a person's identity and ideology, there has to be and some really rel- stress. Yeah, and there has to be some relational equity there. Um, Rosaria Butterfield, who's a great author a former lesbian, um, has written several books. Uh, One is Confessions of an Unlikely Convert. And then another is like, which I love this title, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Uh, Really, really incredible lady. I heard her teaching once and she said, strong words require strong relationship. And for me, one of the ways that I can develop strong relationship with a transgendered individual is by respecting their name. You know, from the name thing, it carries so much weight, and it is a sign of like invitation and respect to be able to say, as example, Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner was born Bruce Jenner. You know, Caitlyn Jenner is a transgendered male-to-female transsexual, who many people know because very famous. And um, I will call Caitlyn Jenner Caitlyn Jenner because if There's ever opportunity to, to engage in conversation. I don't want that barrier. Sure. I I want to be able to, to demonstrate I respect where you're at without having to or even accept where you're at without having to approve of it or celebrate it. But one bridge that I can walk across is calling you by the name you want to be called. And you know, for anyone who's like, well, you know, that's an abstract, you know, abs- you'll never interact with Caitlyn Jenner. I had a friend who is in our movement, uh in involved in the change movement, who happened to go to a a, a gathering, a political gathering uh, in, in Southern California of Republicans. And Caitlin Jenner was there. And yeah,
0: that's right. I remember how right? the active they were.
1: Yeah. And this, this individual Kevin, he was a former drag queen and you know, transgender individual himself. And Really had an opportunity to share his, his story, a bits of his story with Caitlin and and you know address Caitlin as Caitlin, and really had that opportunity to engage. We never know who we're going to have the opportunity to talk with, but for me, being able to share or, or start at that starting point of I respect your name, and I can say the name that you uh, have chosen and use that as a bridge. So of course, with every answer I give, there's always a caveat, right?
0: Yeah, well, this is this is all messy and this yes. is complicated. We're dealing with people.
1: Yeah, dealing with people and and multiple layers of relationships. So sure. it's easy for me to say that it would be probably a lot more relationally weighty and painful if that individual was, say, my daughter, who wanted to be known as Chuck or Jim or something along those lines. So I would have to wrestle through the pain and the grief of knowing that this is the child that I, I, I loved. And I've seen since the day they were born, the name that I gave that child, which no parent goes into that lightly now doesn't want to be known by that name and is being known by something completely different. And it's really
0: sad if, if it's your child.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so in my answer to this question of like, I would choose to say the name, but not the pronoun. What I want to qualify this with is this is not a thus saith the Lord situation. This is a You know, I drew not the Lord say, like, like Paul did. And often in the scripture, I Paul write this, not the Lord, but you know, this is my pastoral advice, but I understand if, if there's, you know, individuals out there in a circumstance where maybe it's your child or your parent and the bridge to walk across, to call them a name different than, than what you've always known them as, or that you gave them, or, you know, the relational context is so big that you, you just can't cross that bridge and what I want to say to this is just because I'm sharing how I might interact with an acquaintance or a friend or someone I'm wanting to make friendship with doesn't mean that that necessarily applies to your con your sure. relational context like yeah. um, and it certainly doesn't minimize the pain or the legitimacy to not choosing not to do that You know, like I said, if it were my child, I might, I might find a different way to operate within this. And, you know, there might be, there would always be consequences to it. Like, um, you know, if you're a parent and and your child is wanting to be known by a different name and you refuse to do that, you might lose relationship with the child. Sure. And that's always the threat. And, you know, if, if your conviction is you just can't do it, then you have to accept the reality that that might mean that they will cut off relationship. Yeah. And if you do choose to, you know, call the name, you know, use the name, they're wanting to be called, then you have to accept that there's an enormous amount of grief and adjustment that comes for you while using that. There's always consequences. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every choice is consequential. And so by sharing my answer, what I, what I don't want anyone to hear is a minimization of the reality of what you might be facing Uh, specifically this, this question was posed with a transgender daughter. And it's interesting to me that they didn't talk about the name, but they did talk about the pronoun. So maybe they've already come to the conclusion they can use the name, or maybe the daughter's not making them use the name. Um, but the pronoun is a sticking point and I get that. So, yeah, that's that. I just wanted to qualify that as we were answering the question.
0: I, I mean, I totally understand that there's consequences for any decision that you make. Um, cause you know, you have like the two extremes, well, I don't, I don't want to say extremes, but you know, God, the God says, and God did, yeah. and this is the reality of the word of God and the, the way that God designed it. And you're really convicted to, to stay within that, that conviction. Yeah. Um, but then there's the other thing. The other reality is, you know, being kind and respectful and accommodating can open up a lot of doors um, for, and for access to a person's heart. Yeah. And so there's just these, these, this tension. Um, yeah. And I, for me in my experience, cause I, like I mentioned earlier, I have someone that is very dear in my life that wants to be called a different name and different pronouns. Right. And the conversation that I had with that person is, you know, you've come to this decision. It's taken you a long time, probably. You've been wrestling right. through this. Right. But you're just now telling me over supper.
1: <laughs> right. Right. And
0: and this is gonna be something that I'm gonna need time to process and think through and 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 adjust to. And I am and I told the person, I'm not gonna do it right. Yeah. I'm not gonna do it right. I know I'm gonna mess this up. I want you to know that when I do, it's not on purpose and it's not malicious. Right. And so, um, it's, and, and it's a good conversation to have with the person, Absolutely, you know, to say, oh, well, this is actually my, my framework for my life and how I, I perceive life is through the Bible. And so, you know, this is, this is something that I'm wrestling with and just to have even that honest conversation yeah. of why you're choosing what you're choosing on either way. Yeah. Um, I think it's important and it's hard
1: yeah absolutely and you know you touched on something that i think that what that demonstrates is a high level of humility relationally of Mm -hmm. being able to not only be vulnerable in your own process and to be humble to submit like this is going to be hard for me and i'm not going to do this well um for you know different relationships i think have different levels of 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 that already pre-built into the relationship based on who they are like if you're in a friendship with someone or, you know, that noise is my cat scratching their collar. So everyone, every podcast listener right now, that would be Stella the cat scratching incessantly at her collar. I apologize for the lack of professionalism. But um so I'm
0: sipping, I'm sipping my
1: we're sipping okay. our coffee. I got
0: here. ASMR. You gonna, we got, you're gonna you're This is, is just as it's go.
1: Listen, this Sips. is a living letter. We're a nonprofit, just deal with it. Like that's, <laughs> that's how it, it is that's it.
0: It's Stella and then me sipping.
1: And you sipping your coffee. Um, uh, So, you know, like I was saying though, it has a high level of humility in the relationship, but sometimes like parental relationships, you know, a lot of, especially parents in my parents' generation, there wasn't a lot of humility in the parental dynamic. Not that they're not humble people, but there just wasn't maybe modeled uh, in the parenting that they received where parents admit to failure or, or admit to mistakes or admit to difficulty or have transparency in their relationship. And that's, I get that. Like as a parent myself, you're constantly trying to lead your kids and like, you're the authority and you're the ones who are like supposed to parent them. And if you're on the side of like communicating that you're inept all the time, that's not helpful. But um, you know, when you have a child and you're dealing with these dynamics, you might have to do some work of learning how to be more humble and more more communicative of your own vulnerabilities your own weaknesses and your own you know failings in your relationship and that can be really difficult beyond just the transgender question of like how do I communicate (laughs) humbly to my children where I don't know how to do this and you know I might not even agree with the direction you want to take me and I will try my best to be gracious but I'm going to fail and I need you to be gracious about that or, or forgiving towards that um, that's a skill that a lot of people don't really have yet in their in their relational toolbox, and so it's one we have to work on because we're not going to get this right all the time. We're not going to say the right thing all the time. We're not going to have the perfect response. Um, and especially, like you noted, you know, often these conversations come up, and the person sharing their their perspective of who they are have had years of developing and coming to the conclusion that they are what you know what they think they are you know, either identifying transgender, gay, lesbian, whatever it is. And the person on the other end of the conversation is taking in all this consequential information for the first time and having to completely shift their understanding of this person's identity. So it, it's it, hard. It, it's hard. It And there's grief that comes with that and there's adjustment and, you know, there's a learning curve. And so it, learning how to steer into humility and, and communicating in humility is a really important skill in, in this particular thing.
0: Sure. I agree. Yeah. There's just, there's so many like ways and things we could branch off into. Yeah. There's just so many. Um, Cause you know, just even the concept of, of, of the Bible and gender being so, I mean, God is referred to as a he, right. And so this has been for millennia, (laughs) right. That, that in our civilization and our culture and in our biblical understanding, there's only been two options. Hmm. And then now here we are. And like in an instant, it just, it feels like in an instant that all of that is being, um, you know, threatened. Sure. And so that's, I mean, this is just a hard road for, for any of us that, we're going yeah. through this it's just yeah. it's really hard
1: yeah that's that's true and you know not to minimize that at all um, you know that but there's also this truth that there's nothing new under the Sun okay and even like you know if we look at contextually in scripture, uh, you know, one of the verses that is often used to cite God's prohibition against homosexual behavior is, you know, from first Corinthians chapter six, verses nine through 11. And there's two Greek words that are used in that passage to describe homosexuality or homosexual behavior by Paul that he coined those words. And we can get on you know, the other topic of those yeah, exactly. in another time. But but one of the words that's often uh, translated as like either male prostitutes or the effeminate or the soft ones or something like that is the word malakois. And culturally, contextually, what I've read and studied on this is that, you know, in that in that culture with not only temple prostitution, but, you know, pedastry, which was a big practice back then where older men would take on younger men, uh, not only to teach them and, you know, you know, lead them as an instructor, but they also had the privilege of using them as sexual objects. And those younger men would take on the role of the female partner, like the, the passive role. And you know, essentially the Greeks were fine with this. So this culture was fine with it, but you had to grow out of it. Like when you became a man, you you were no longer acted like a soft one or like the receptive partner. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, this is extra gravy today, why Paul uh, in his um, passage, not only said ars uh, which is, you know, basically men who bed men and then malikois, the soft ones or the passive, because he was indicting the fact and the the cultural you know, lie that they were believing that only the person who was being used sexually was guilty of sin or guilty of the offense. The person who was using the other person or the male role was not guilty of anything, just the one Mm -hmm. who allowed themselves to be made like that.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah. And so when Paul used these two different words, he's basically saying, no, you're both guilty. Like this is outside of God's will. But one of the things that the realities to this, you know, that I'm giving all this context for is the Malakois a lot of them didn't grow out of it. Like they stayed in that more effeminate soft one type gendered role where it would have been viewed maybe in our culture, more like, you know, very effeminate gay man or a transgendered individual. And so even though we're looking at our current cultural context and it's got all the psychology and the, you know, the political stuff going with it, the fact that people have been struggling with and very, um, very broken in their gender expression is nothing new like it, sure. it's it's been the case for years and millennia like there's there's broken gender you know for a long time sure and in that i think that we can find a lot of hope in that this is not like god is not up there going what do we do now they've come up with something i have no idea how to address it's like no god knows how to, god knows all of human brokenness and and has solutions so yeah. we can we can pursue him for those solutions and for the wisdom to know how to navigate our culture.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a perfect place to, to kind of land on is this is hard. And also this is not new for Jesus. right? And he has the perfect will and steps of how, um, how we can love people well, and we need to lean into him to find out what those steps are. Thanks for being a part of today's conversation. Please visit our website, alivingletter.org, to get connected with more of our resources. Thank you, and God bless. So I have a, I have a question that I think is important, and I, I'm sure you have something to say about it. So um, the question that came in is... Never mind, hold on, I forgot what <laughs> well, it was. That is I a have... very
1: good question, Cynthia. Thank you for asking. <laughs> you know... Hold on, I need to turn off my furnace because that I just feel like I'm in a rushing wind. This microphone picks up everything. I'll be right back. Okay, that'll go off in a minute. Drew, oh. I right
0: I heard your chunk You.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatevs
0: did you have chanclas ad yeah let me see you ch-
1: no let
0: me see your chanclas i heard them go to clickety clackety I
1: mean, you, all you, the you, way
0: to the furnace you
1: just you just saw my 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 slipper shoe you know yes. I, I love these slipper shoes
0: you know the joke with the chanclas right
1: no no what is it the
0: chanclas represents like all like the ultimate punishment when you're a kid oh yeah no matter where you are in the house if your grandma or your mom threw that chancla it's gonna boomerang and it's gonna find your head totally and it's gonna find it and hit it real hard so that's like the thing we're most afraid of forget about gunshots forget about <laughs> demons the chancla the chunkla. the chancla is the one you need to be worried about that's amazing
1: <laughs> i had one memory from when i was like in middle school and my brother matt and i were fighting and i was across the street at the neighbor's house and you know, he did something, and he started running for our house. And I literally took off my flip flop, and I threw it from like half a block away, and it arched through the air and hit him square in the back of the melon head. I believe it. It's just ready to get right into the into, his, into the house.
0: You know what? There's something supernatural with the chankla.
1: Supernatural about the chankla, yeah.
0: It's uh, like it's, it's guided by the by the Holy Ghost on angel, angel wings. Yeah, yeah the angel Gabriel to...
1: himself is carrying that thing. Why is that furnace not off?
0: Go ahead, go no, take your I shot and go do see this it. Again.
1: You know, there's not one perfect right answer. And so I loved that you brought your perspective. I want every time we do this, I want you to have like, and, and speak your perspective. And it's okay if we disagree on something. That's sure. even better if there's a moment where we disagree and we're like, we can we can give two perspectives and it's okay. Cause it's not, It it's actually better to have a plethora of of perspective here because then you can like choose which one you want to you know choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure. And
0: boy is it an adventure. Yes. uh... Lord